This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. And we're going to begin over in Exodus 20. Exodus 20 there at verse 17. He says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And now let's go catch the parallel phrase of this, or the parallel scripture of this, over in Deuteronomy chapter 5, at verse 21. Deuteronomy chapter 5, there at verse 21. He says, Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. So we can see as we compare Exodus to Deuteronomy, he uses this word desire in the same sense of covet. And what we're going to do now is define, number one, is what is covetousness? And we pretty much define what it is already, but just to give you a simple definition, it's a greedy desire to have more. It's a desire to have what doesn't belong to you. And just like we talked about in Deuteronomy 5, verse 21, he says that thou shalt not desire. We have, it's an evil desire of things that doesn't belong to you. An evil desire just to have more and more to be selfish. That's what covetousness is. So let's ask ourselves a question. Number two. Is covetousness really a sin? It's just so prevalent out there. Is it really a problem? Is it a sin? Would it be a problem for us? And to answer that, let's go to Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 29. Romans chapter 1, let's begin at verse 29. He says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, Full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Just look at this list of sins. And he lists covetousness right there, just like among the murderers, fornicators, haters of God. He lists covetousness on the same list. He says these things are worthy of death. A very similar passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there at verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there at verse 9. Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. He says, Don't be fooled about this. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So yes, indeed, to have these lustful desires to have more and more just for selfish reasons. Yes, indeed, to desire to have those things that do not belong to you or I. Yes, 
covetousness is on the same list as a murderer, as a fornicator, as a drunkard, as an idolater. And so may I convince you and even myself that yes, covetousness is a sin and it's punishable by death. You will not make it to heaven with a covetous heart and Paul makes it plain. And what I want to do now is take you to an example way back there in Joshua chapter 7. And if you'll get the time frame, a lot of us remember these children's stories about the walls of Jericho came tumbling down and we remember that part. But you'll remember in that particular story, the children of Israel were to go in and take of the very best of the silver, the gold, and the vessels of brass and iron, and it was to be an offering or to be in the treasury of the Lord. That's the only thing they were to keep. Everything else was to be destroyed. But there was a problem with that. Somebody ruined that. And we're going to read a little bit about that. And let's just look and examine and see if God thinks covetousness is no big deal. Joshua 7, let's pick up at verse 14. It says, In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man, and it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed things shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. I want you to imagine what that would be like. They're looking for this person that was stealing of the things that was supposed to go to the Lord for his treasury. And he says, I'm going to take you by your families, and I'm going to take you by the household, and even individually. I want you to imagine the lineup of what that would have been like, how humiliating that would have been in front of everybody. Never tell yourself that any sin we commit that nobody else is affected. It obviously is. And he makes that plain in this particular event. Verse 17, And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken and he brought his household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. What did he do that was so sinful? <laughs> he confesses this sin. He admits it's sin. And he said, Then thus and thus have I done when I saw. All he did is seen it. When I saw among the spoils of goodly Babylish. Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them. He had that evil desire in his heart. He wanted it for himself when it belonged to the treasury of the Lord. He coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. 
And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and all of the children, or unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? You see, our sin affects everybody else. He said, why did you have to affect all of us because of this? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. Now listen, if you think covetousness is not a very big deal to God, listen to what happened. It says there that all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Just look how sad this is. And for people today to say that it's no big deal for this little old sin of covetousness. Apparently to God it's a very, very big deal. And we need to never forget that. Through this example that we have way back there. But you know what? Number three is covetousness has been a problem from the very beginning. Let's go way back there to Genesis chapter 3 and let's pick up at verse 2. Genesis chapter 3 beginning at verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. The serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Listen. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, listen, and a tree to be desired. You see where that desire was at? Tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. No doubt Adam and Eve clearly knew the commandment that God had given them They weren't allowed to eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. That was plain. But guess what happened? Satan comes along. He ruins Eve's mind. He made her covet that fruit. And she looked at it. And that heartfelt desire, that covetousness said, Look, this is going to be so good for you. It'll make you wise. You'll be just like God. And because of that one thing in her heart, it led to these sinful consequences and sin entered to the world. Don't tell me that covetousness is no big deal. It was there in the very beginning and ruined it all. And Satan's good at it. 
to put just one little covetous thought in your heart and look what it can do. It'll make us all fall. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Number four is covetousness ruins your mind and ultimately you worship things rather than God. And what that really says is that makes you and I an idolater if that's the way that we're going with our life. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 verse 3. Ephesians 5 verse 3. Paul says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, listen, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You know what? This little old sin of covetousness soon uh, becomes a very big, huge thing. It becomes that we worship things rather than God. And it causes us to be an idolater. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. He tells us to mortify. That means put to death. Get rid of it. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things as sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. You know, as we think about way back there when the children of Israel started falling away from God and they wanted to seek other gods, to worship other gods, and we say how terrible that was. But you know what Paul says? If we have a covetous heart, we are an idolater because we worship things rather than God. And that's a serious problem. And it'll ruin your mind. It'll ruin your life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Timothy chapter 6, there at verse 9. It says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Have you ever wondered why it is that so many rich people, that they continue to drown themselves in depression, they drown themselves with so many sorrows of life? And you get to thinking about it. They have everything money can buy. You would think that would bring happiness, right? You know what the problem is? Their heart isn't right with God. It's desiring more and more but whatever money can buy, and they just continue to have that desire. That becomes their passion. That becomes their lust. It ultimately becomes what they worship rather than God. Verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Don't get that confused. He didn't say that it's sinful to have money, to have possessions. He says the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after. That's all they worried about. 
just that evil desire. They coveted it. And by doing that, it says they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Covetousness ruins your heart. It'll ruin your faith in God. It says they are pierced through with many sorrows. You see now why Paul said, don't even try this stuff once because it can ruin your life and everybody else that knows you. Verse 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. If we have a covetous heart, he says we're going to have to flee from those evil desires. Get rid of it. And then he says, And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says, rather than trying to lay hold on all this money, on all these possessions, on all the things that this life may offer, he says, how about laying hold on eternal life? Fight the good fight of faith. Make that your life. Rather than desiring all the things of this life, of this world, live it for God. Fight the good fight of faith. We have in his story over in Matthew 19, Beginning verse 16, Matthew chapter 19, and let's begin at verse 16. He says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? It's a very important question. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Did you notice that Jesus didn't mention thou shalt not covet? <laughs> Just this one thing that he lacks. So Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. What did we just read that Paul told Timothy about? That they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This guy went away sorrowful. Why? It says, for he had great possessions. That's what he wanted to worship. That's what he wanted to follow after, not Jesus. It ruined his heart. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter in the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You know why that is? It's because they want to worship things, not God. They follow in the things of their heart or the things of this world rather than 
putting God first. And Jesus says, you know what? It's going to be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for you to worship things of this life and somehow think you're going to make it to heaven. Can't do it. Rather than glorifying God, this man wanted the glory of just himself and the possessions that he had. This example should prove to us over and over how serious of a sin that covetousness really is. All right, number five. Is covetousness will not only corrupt your mind, but you'll become so selfish to the point that you forget God. I'm going to show you an example over in Luke 12, beginning verse 15. Luke chapter 12 and let's begin at verse 15. Jesus here, and he said unto them, Take heed. Anytime Jesus says take heed, it's something that's not a small matter. And then he says, and beware. That's a stern warning. Beware of what? Beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought, now that's what's in his heart, right? And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will i bestow all my fruits and my goods and i will say to my soul soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years take thine ease eat drink and be merry was you starting to get tired of that <laughs> how many eyes Mys, thou, you see what I'm saying? Twelve times. He says, this is my stuff. And twelve times did he never give God the glory. You know why? He had a covetous heart. And it ruined his mind. Everything became about himself and no one else. A lot of people consider this guy as being the most success, successful there is. Had everything he needed. Wanted to build greater, be better for himself. What's God call this particular person? Quite different than a success. But God said unto him, Thou fool. That'd be pretty harsh for God to call one of us that, wouldn't it not? Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all those things be which thou hast provided? Whose will it be then? <laughs> will it be his? Then he says, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. 
Jesus, through this parable, tells us to beware of covetousness. You know why? Because it's not some little sin that is nothing. It's actually something very huge because you become so selfish that when the end of your life comes, God's going to say you're a fool. You're not going to make it to heaven. What was our life worth? In Matthew 16, verse 26, Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Would all these earthly possessions that we desired more and more of be worth losing our soul over? You say, of course not. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men should be lovers of their own selves. What's the next word? Covetous. He said it's coming and we know that it's here. People love themselves more than they love God. They want to be covetousness and have this greedy desire and it ruins their life. But not only that, number six is covetousness is like a slap in God's face because you blame God for not giving you everything you want, everything you lust for. What God wants you to have is just not good enough. And that's sad when a person's heart is ruined to that point, but it happens. And over in Hebrews 13, verse 5, Hebrews 13, verse 5. The writer there tells us to let your conversation, in other words, the way that you live your life, be without covetousness. He says don't be desiring the things that do not belong to you. Do not have this greedy desire to always have more and more and become so selfish. He says don't let your life consist of covetousness. Then he tells the next rule. And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How many times through life do we suffer losses? Maybe it's a family member that dies. Maybe it's our health that we are diagnosed with the disease. Maybe we lose possessions or land or maybe our home or houses maybe we lose something at work or perhaps school we have hard times we could name all kinds of hard times that all of us may have faced throughout our lives but throughout all these losses do we compare ourselves to everybody else and say hey they seem to have everything so good i want to be them <laughs> be careful don't use that as covetousness in your heart. Comparing yourself to everybody else and wanting what they have. Because in reality, when we do that, it's like slapping God in the face and saying, you didn't take care of me well enough. Because when in fact, if we have the right heart, He says, be content with such things as ye have. 
Whenever you get to that position in your life to where you start to let a little bit of covetousness in, try this. Just stop, back up, and count all your blessings that you have right now. And I'll promise you this, you'll see that God never has left you or forsaken you. God's been there the whole time blessing you. So don't let covetousness ruin your heart. Because it's like slapping God in the face and saying, hey, you didn't take care of me, when in fact he did. When you and I may choose to fill our life with covetousness, he says, rather than believing in God, you start worshiping idols. And Satan ruins your mind to tell you that God can't take care of you when he does. And this kind of decision becomes a very big temptation throughout losses and tragedies and things that we may face through life. But we make the decision, do we trust God? Do we give God thanks for what we have right now? Or... Do we covet just to have more and covet what other people have and in turn worship things to have more than what God gives us to glorify Him? Jesus talks about this and makes it so clear. In Matthew 6, verse 24, Matthew 6, verse 24, He says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Seriously, think about what he's saying there. When we go through troubles in life, we tend to get worried and bogged down. And he's asking here, with all of that worry... Can you change how tall or how short you are the way God made you? you obviously not. <laughs> He's saying, then why worry about all these things of this life? Why worry about the food you eat, the things you have to drink, your body, what you're going to put on? He says, even God takes care of the fowls of the air. Will He not take care of us? God has control over these things. And any of us that question whether God is there or not through any tragedy that comes, we're missing it because God's always there. Verse 28, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take, or therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Now listen, but seek 
If you want to desire something, if you have a desire in your heart, here it is. But seek first. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not your own righteousness, not your own things, but seek God first and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thoughts or thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He says, if you and I have this desire to seek God first, seek His righteousness, then guess what? We won't have any room left in our heart for evil desires. We're going to be content with the things that we have. We're going to be able to use the things that we have to glorify God if we seek Him first. And I promise you that whatever tragedy or loss we face, God's always there and we can get through those things and we can glorify God. And now we get to number seven. And we ask if covetousness is a problem for me, how can I fix it? It's a good question. In Psalms 119 verse 36, Psalms 119 verse 36 he says, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. You know, whatever the sin problem may be, the best solution is always to hear God's word, to hear the answers that God gives us for the problems in our life that we can help to turn from those problems, to have the right solution. And here David says, incline mine heart into thy testimonies and not to covetousness. You see how you can fix these things? He made that very plain. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. He says, for the word of God is quick. That means it's alive still today. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you have covetousness bound in your heart, did you know that the Word of God is still alive today? It's so powerful that it can cut out that covetousness right out of your heart. You know why? It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword that it can pierce so deep even to the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow. It says the thoughts and intents of the heart. It can just cut that covetousness right out if you'll let it. You have to use the Word of God. And no matter what the sin problem is, just go pick up the Bible, read it, study it. And I guarantee you that you'll be surprised at the power that it has to get you through those things. In Psalms chapter 10, verse 3. Psalms chapter 10, verse 3. He says, For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous. You see that a lot today, don't you? The wicked always boasting, look what I have. Look what I can do. Don't you want what I have out here in the world? 
They bless the covetous. But listen, it says, Whom the Lord abhorreth, the wicked through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. What I'm trying to show you is no matter what the sin problem is, if you want it to get better, he says start filling all your thoughts, put God's word in your heart. And if you'll do that, I promise you that you're going to see a difference in your life to live by what the word of God says for you to do. In Proverbs chapter 3, beginning verse 13, Proverbs chapter 3, beginning verse 13 He says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it, that is the merchandise of gaining God's word to put it in your heart, the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Rather than going to find a way to make more and more money, to find ways to gain more and more possessions, rather than coveting the things of this life. How about this? Pick up the Word of God. Start reading it, studying it, meditating upon it. And that is what will make you happy. The merchandise of godly wisdom is worth more than all the silver of this world. He says the gain thereof is worth more than fine gold. It's more precious than rubies. And then he says, no matter what your eyes may look, out here in this whole world of the pleasant things to the eyes, he said, guess what? Nothing can compare to having God's Word in your heart. Nothing compares to it. Verse 16. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Let me ask you a serious question. How many covetous people do you know about that are happy? They're not. They're so consumed with wanting more and more and more and they'll work so hard trying to gain more and more and more. It just completely wears them out. They're so depressed. They want all these things. And then they're not happy. They could have all the money in the world and they're never happy. Where is the joy in that? Where's the peace in that? How does that in any way sound pleasant to you? And on the other hand, we pick up the Bible, put all these things in our heart, and it cuts us so deep to the heart because of our faith, our obedience to it. And then when we live by the Word of God, guess what it brings? It brings peace. It'll bring us true happiness that nobody can take away from us. So whatever your sin problem may be, whether it's covetousness, whatever the sin problem may be, it can be sliced open. It can be dissolved if you truly take the time to apply God's Word. And did you know that in the Word of God, you're going to learn how that God truly loves all of us. God wants us to turn to Him. He doesn't want us to turn to all these fleshly things of this life that's only going to decay and pass away. It's only temporary. 
God wants us to be able to change our life to repent. He wants us to confess Jesus' name. He wants us to obey Him in baptism, to be washed, to be freed from all of our sins. I don't have it on your sheet there, but in Acts 22, verse 16, do you remember what Ananias told Saul? He says, And why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Well, there's a lot of people that I know about in this life they just desire so much to have that new car smell. They'll work their sales into the ground just to have enough money to go purchase new vehicles just to smell the new car smell. They'll buy things such as new houses to smell the new lumber, the sheetrock, all that new smell. That's all they desire in this life. But you know what? Not a one of those things can wash away your sins. Not a one. All of those things will perish with the using. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 7, 1 Timothy 6 verse 7, he says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Everything that we possess that we have in this life, it's going to perish with the using. It will all pass away. And when we die, he says, we're not going to take any of it with us. So where's the power? What has the most power in this life? In Matthew 24, verse 35. Matthew 24, verse 35. Jesus says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The one thing that we have in this life that will never pass away is the Word of God. That's the most valuable thing that you have in your possession. What are you going to do with it? We have to put it in our heart. Let it guide us. And it will lead us to heaven. And that will be worth everything. More than anything this life could show us here in this world. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. If you want to talk about being successful, if you want to talk about things that are great gain, then lay up treasure in heaven. Then live our life for God. Put God's Word in our heart. That's going to last forever. And may I encourage all of us to never have a covetous heart. It is a very serious sin. He says for us to live godly. Godliness with contentment. Be content with what God gives you and I. And you and I will come to understand just how much we have to gain by living our life for God. It'll be worth it. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.